Welcome to Behind the Confidence Smile, the podcast. I am your host, Bianca Cotton, and I'm joined here with special guest, MJ. MJ, welcome. Hey, girl. Hey. <laughs> I'm so excited to have you here to share space with us today. I'm pumped up. I've been waiting for this all week. Yes. And we are about to talk about your journey to divorce. My God. Right? So introduce yourself. Who are you? Well, my name is MJ. Um, the people of the government call me <laughs> Mania Johnson. Um, I go by MJ because it's just easier to say. Um, I am the mother of four amazing children, um, two grown-ups, 29 and 27. I'm a grandmother of a special little baby girl. She's four. Her name is JL. It's my pleasure to be a young grandma. And I have two boys, Jonathan and Ethan, who are 18 and 14, and I'm married to my amazing husband, Sean. Awesome. Thank you. You're welcome. So that's a journey back. Yes. A little bit. Did you ever see yourself getting divorced? Absolutely not. Um, you know how when you're younger and they're, everyone's like, oh, what do you want to be when you grow up, right? And it was either, oh, I'm going to be a lawyer. I want to be a doctor. I want to be a nurse. My answer, I wanted to be a mom and I wanted to be a wife. I wanted to be just like my mother. Mm -hmm. um, I wanted to have like six kids maybe a farm, some horses, you know, um, live in the suburbs and wear yoga pants every day with a ponytail and meal prep and big bread. That's what I wanted to do. Um, yeah, divorce was never, I didn't even know what the word divorce was until I was a teenager. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So where did you meet your first husband? So we actually met, um, all of my friends went away to college and I was just like, I forgot that there was this whole thing at school that there you fill out college applications. I was just there to have fun and maybe graduate. Um, and so I was working at a bank and I'm like, well, maybe I should take some courses right at in college. So I went to a community college in Chicago Heights. I went to Prairie State and my first week I see this very handsome man child at that time because I was 18 um, in the library and he had his Bible open. And so now I'm like, wait a minute, he fine and he has his Bible. And my girlfriend, she was like, I know him. Do you want me to introduce you? I was like, obviously, <laughs> because I'm fine and I like the Bible. So it's just, it just makes sense. So um, we met at Prairie State and um, it was just kind of, if you will, love at first sight, not like the television show that's out <laughs> now. Um, and we began talking every day in the library about Jesus sometimes <laughs> <laughs> and things we like to do. He worked at a bank. I worked at, a, at I worked at a bank at the time and, um, yeah, I thought he was everything and more. Wow. Yeah, I was like, okay, this this is, he is it. So at 18, you were like, I'm about to get married. Yes, I like, am. Like, did you have that thought after Absolutely. you met him? <laughs> after like week three, um, I was just so into him, and he was showing me all the things that um, I, at that time, being 18 years old, okay, 
He's a black man. He was light skinned, beautiful hair, nice long eyelashes. Um, and he loved the Lord. And his family had a church that the whole family went to. When I say the whole family, uncles, aunties, grandmas, everyone. So we had these things in common where our families were so entrenched into the kingdom of God. Um, he was a musician, I'm a singer. It just makes sense, right? And we were, yeah, our lives were just very similar. And I had never dated a Christian in high school. I was like, are you really dating? <laughs> you can't go anywhere, right? True. You hold hands in the hallway and then I'll see you tomorrow. Um, even though I went to a Catholic school, but they weren't believers. And they didn't know the life of a, of a black kid in a black church. And then I met this black man who goes to a black church and he's a musician. We're about to make some money. We're going to have a whole bunch of kids. Yeah, I, I knew it. I knew that he was going to be my husband. Wow. So when did he realize he was going to be your husband? <laughs> when I told him, no, I'm just kidding. Um, we were a couple of months in to dating, and we had a lot of conversation about what we wanted our lives to be, you know, when we grow up, as if we weren't grown. We were semi-grown. And around month eight or nine, he was just like, I love you. And I was like, oh, my God, I love you, too. <laughs> and he asked my father for my hand. And um, in 1999, I believe, 1999-ish, <laughs> um, and we got engaged within a year of being together. And um, we saved our little coins because we were young. And my ring was like, you know, when you're 18, 19. <laughs> it was modest. <laughs> it was modest. That's a good word for it. Um, and I remember my brother coming home from college and seeing this ring on my finger. He was like, oh, that's so cute. <laughs> Your boyfriend gave you a promise ring. I was just like, no, what? I'm engaged, and he was livid. He's just like, you're 12 years old? I'm like, sir, I'm 19. I'm a woman, you know? And he's like, Dad, why would you give permission, you know, for her to get married so young? And he was just like, I trust her heart. Mm. And so, yeah. Wow. I know. Craziness. So now bring us to... How long you were engaged before you got married? Yeah, so we were engaged for about a year and a half. So we got married literally the month after I turned 21 because I wanted to go on vacation and have adult beverages. <laughs> Fair enough, right? I wanted to have adult beverages. He He's two years older than I am. So um, we took some time to like save some money and try to finish school. That's a lie. Um, that's a whole nother podcast. And so we, he moved to Oak Park. We were living in the South suburbs. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to move to Oak Park too. But we live separately, right? He rented a room from someone at a church we were attending together. So we found a church together in Oak Park. I rented a room from someone that we knew and we took our time to plan our wedding. And at this time, so we both have very large families and it was going to take more than like $5 to get married. <laughs> um, and we were very involved in the church we were attending. And we ended up having like over 600 people 
at at our wedding. At your wedding? Yeah, I don't know whose idea that was. Wow. But we made it work, and they ate tuna sandwiches. I was about to ask, so what did they eat? <laughs> so that's a lot of people to feed. So we had a we had an early morning wedding because it's cheaper, and um, the church mothers and friends and family came together, and we did fruit, tuna sandwiches, you know, a cake, um, little veggie cups. That's all we could afford. <laughs> Balling on a budget. Balling on a budget. And it was the hottest day of the year. It was 110 degrees. And we got married in an old church in Oak Park. The sanctuary had air conditioning, but the reception hall did not. So there were these huge fans. And no one can hear. <laughs> it was those in- of course not. Those huge it's the in- industrial the fans. The industrial fans. And um, I remember being so excited. Like, oh, my God. This is going to be... The best marriage ever. We have so many people who love us, um, who came out, and the wishing well was great. They basically paid for the, the honeymoon. I was like, praise be the Lord for all the money. Um, but it was a fairy tale. It was everything that I had written in my, you know, my journals when you're growing up, and you pre-name your children, you know, and where you're gonna live, and your house is gonna be white with a yellow door. Oh wow, you had this. Oh yeah, the way my dress was, I it was literally the day was everything that I imagined from being a small child to that moment, like a princess cut dress. It's going to be a summer day. I'm going to have a bob like Holly Berry. You know what I mean? A long veil that's going to like come down the aisle with me. And uh, it was everything. It was everything. Wow. So you got your dream, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. When did that dream start to fade? Before I got married. <laughs> really? <laughs> So there were so many, I think we were discussing earlier, you know, the in social media world, red flags. So yes. imagine like 12 of those being a social media post, like a red flag. Um, the first red flag came when our, the pastor of the church, we were going through premarital counseling, and he told us that we were not ready to get married. And we were like, yes, we are. We love each other. We both know Jesus. What are you talking about? But we didn't agree on finances. Um, we didn't agree on like boundaries in you know same sex or opposite sex friendships. We didn't agree on those things. And he said, "Well, if you choose to get married, I can't marry you. Someone else is going to have to officiate the wedding." Red flag. Number one. Number one. <laughs> <laughs> um, and his parents are like amazing people and I still call them mom and dad I still have a great relationship with them and his mother was just like my son is not ready to be a husband mm, number two number two um when the mother speaks when a mother's mommies listen. know mommies know their sons and yes. I'm a mother of two boys and I know my babies um so that was number two and the third red flag uh Chicago musicians get a really bad rap especially Chicago drummers, and he was a Chicago drummer and attractive. And so, of course, if I think that he's delicious, there's other women on the earth that think he's handsome, super fine, and he's a musician. And uh, 
there were just a lot of women around in phones on MySpace posts um, coming to bring him lunch at work. So lots of flags. Pastor won't marry us. Mama said he ain't ready. And all of these women think that my man is fine and somehow they have friendships. Mm-hmm. But I was just like, he loves me and I'm fine. He crazy. <laughs> he not gonna mess all this up, right? Um, and we got married anyway. What made you get married anyway? I didn't want to be embarrassed. Mm. I didn't want to be embarrassed because we had this love story and everyone knew about it, right? And it was what I thought I wanted. Um, And I loved his family and I couldn't imagine not being a part of his family. I couldn't imagine not being the big sister to his little sister who I I had grown to love. She was nine when I met him Um, and she's still my sister to this day. And... um, yeah, I wanted to have his babies because he was so fine. I'm like, my kids are about to be beautiful. <laughs> and I, didn't, I just didn't want to. I was afraid of looking like a failure to my friends. I didn't go to college like they did. You know, I was working. I got engaged early. Everyone at our church, like every every young couple that were like, leaders of the youth camp were getting married. So we had this little circle of friends and everyone's engaged and we're all going to get married the same year. So it was like, this is going to sound so ridiculous. The thing to do. Right. And I didn't want to not do the thing that everybody else was doing. Right. We had this whole like agreement. We're going to have babies at the same time. We're all going to live close to each other. I don't want to give that up. But no one was talking about should you reconsider that pact? Yeah. Yeah. Outside of the pastor who wouldn't marry us. Right. And his mama. And his, mama. <laughs> and his whole mother. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, you know, before you get married, mm, I shouldn't, but I, I'm going to go ahead with yeah. the plan mm-hmm. to save myself embarrassment yeah. and... The insecurities that I have around not fulfilling the dream. I was my own red flag. Right. Um, And not being mature enough to make a decision that was hard. Right. Doing hard things was something that I was overdoing. Um, And by what I mean by overdoing, um, having a very traumatic teenage life um, from being in a car accident, um, being in a coma, not being able to walk, losing my brother at a young age, him dying on my birthday. Mm. I was just like, I deserved to have what I wanted, no matter the cost. I was over having to make hard choices, having to do something that was too hard. And I'm like, it's going to be fine because he loves me. And that should be enough. Mm. Mm. Yeah. That's a book. <laughs> it is. It is. And it sounds like a page turner. So take take me to now we're married. Mm-hmm. How many years are we married? Yeah, we were married. And I was trying. It was so long ago <laughs> in my mind. Um, we were married for technically 10 years. Mm. Um, and year four, we had our first baby. And he was just so beautiful. 
as I imagined. Okay. Um, and Jonathan is and will always be the greatest gift that God has ever given me and his brother, Ethan. Um, but how he got here was very interesting to you. Um, my husband and I were just in a very interesting, we're still growing up. Like we're children's. Who let us get married? Oh, our parents and us made this decision to get married. Um, and when you're so young and you know that you're a ladies' man, right? And you're a musician and, you know, not making the best decision when it comes to being alone with other women. Um, he was into some things that he should not have gotten into. Um, we were trying to be open about the conversation of adultery, me finding like little hints and chats. Of course, MySpace was a thing in the 90s. Um, and it was, you know, living a double life kind of. Uh, oh, he's single, he's a drummer. Boy, you are not single. You have a whole wife and you work at a bank, right? <laughs> You're not famous. Um, and so infidelity was happening. And in my heart, I knew it. Um, but I was too afraid to address it because this is my dream. Mm. He's my dream man, right? And um, we went many years, not many years, we went many months without intimacy. And intimacy in my mind then as a child was sex, right? right? Um, intimacy at 42 is different than it was at 1920. Uh, intimacy really is knowing someone, their heart, who they are, growing with them. I had no idea what intimacy was at 19 and 20. Um, and so we reconciled. Okay. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> <laughs> After months of not being, you know, physically intimate. And, um, but before that, uh, there was infidelity on my part too. Mm. Not being touched by my husband for, I don't know, months. And I, I felt like it was almost sex, but not like real sex because <laughs> the way that my relationship with Jesus is set up, there was conviction. <laughs> and um, my husband at the time, he was traveling for work and I was by myself and I was working with a, with a guy that became my friend. Emotional attachment happened first. And then I found myself in the backseat of his car on a lunch break. And it was like, it was there. And then Jesus showed up, legit, Holy Spirit's in the car. Like, what are you doing? It wasn't, and I'm going to be very frank, it wasn't no pumps. <laughs> it was just there, right? And Jesus showed up. Mm. This is not who you are. You are still married. You need to leave. So I pull up my undies, and I'm like, Jesus is here. I got to go home. I don't do guilt well. So I walk mm -hmm. through the house of my through the door of my house. My husband's back from a trip to California. And I look at him and I'm like, man, I have something to tell you. I couldn't even wait. I couldn't live with it. Um and I wanted to tell him right then and there. And then he confesses to me, 
right? So I'm like, okay, well now maybe I should just let him, you know, <laughs> sit in that. <laughs> let let him sit in his wrongness, although I'm also wrong, right? And so we're just out here wilding out. Like, do we even know the Lord? Maybe. Um, or love each other. Or love each other. And I mean, respect and honor the vows what that is, we... What is a vow? <laughs> what we said in front of everybody. Right. <laughs> and so we reconcile. So this is awkward. Now I feel like I'm on Jerry Springer because I just let somebody else enter my whole vagina. And now my husband's in there. And this is about to be murky waters, okay? Um and so six weeks goes by, someone doesn't have their cycle. That someone is me. And I'm like, oh, snaps. We Who's really the father? We <laughs> Maury, right? And so that's when I tell my husband. I was just like, I had sex with dude. Kind of sex. And I went. Th- he didn't want to know the details. But I was like, Jesus showed up. And so um, we went through the whole pregnancy in turmoil, turmoil with each other. And I was broken. I was depressed. I'm like, okay, I know that I was wrong. And I was trying to make an excuse to that, like, okay, well, he wasn't sleeping with me. He was sleeping with everyone else. My body deserved to be touched. You know, I deserved to be kissed and loved. And um, he was out here sleeping with the whole world. And I slept with one person, but yet I'm the wrong person, right? And uh, Jonathan comes out super early, um, but he looks just like his daddy. And his daddy is my ex-husband. <laughs> like, there's no denying. But yet, he's, he still wanted a DNA test. Um, 100%. There wasn't no 99.9. It's 110% sure. Um, and so we went to counseling, did some therapy. Um, he had some addictions, porn, and so fell back into that. And uh, then we went another stretch of time. Without sex. But I'm like, I'm in this and I'm warring for him. I got counseling. Um, we forgave each other. We're going to stay married. And we're going to have five more babies because it's my dream. And uh, it went. A, we went a very long time without sex. And then my second baby was a makeup baby. Mm-hmm. One time. I'm very fertile. <laughs> Clearly, and uh, even was conceived with makeup, sex, and we're going to make it work because now we have two. Two little people. We have two little people to care for. Um, But the reality is we were two broken teenagers with a fantasy of what we wanted life to look like Um, because we love God and we were both fine. What's the problem? Right? That makes sense. It just makes sense. And at this time, um, again, growing and maturing in, in, in my relationship with Jesus and realizing when the Bible says, do not be unequally yoked, so we um, automatically think, okay, if they love Jesus, our yokes are equal. That's not necessarily true. You can love Jesus, but someone's yoke might be a little bit bigger than the other person's yoke. Maturity are you yoked in a way where you can keep each other accountable? Are you yoked in a way that you're seeking the Father at a high level? Are you able to pull up the other person? Yeah, no. Um, and so we ended up uh, getting a divorce uh, shortly after Ethan was born. 
um, and spend some time separated. And there were other indiscretions in between there. Um, when I knew that I needed to end the marriage is when he was when he fell in love with a woman, and he was no longer in love with me. And he, I asked him if he wanted to save the marriage, and he said, "It's too hard." How did that make you feel? I felt ugly for the first time in my life. Like the women that he chose to sleep with. They were all different colors, so I didn't know, like, what I was supposed to look like. I didn't know, like, do I need to gain weight? Do I need to be skinny? Should I have short hair? Should I have curly hair? Should I get a weave? Should I have braids? Should I just be an entirely different color, <laughs> a different race? Um, I felt unwanted. I felt stupid for staying. Um, I felt like I didn't really love myself enough to leave. Mm before all of this happened, or even, you know, say yes. Like, why did I say yes? And regretting all of my decisions. But the only decisions I didn't regret were my babies. Because even though our marriage didn't work, we created two amazing human beings who never have seen their parents not love each other. Because even though we're not married, I love their dad. And I respect him, and he's an amazing father. And I would have never wanted to not have him be the father of my children. Mm. Um, but during that time, I I was kind of, I went crazy. I went a, a little crazy. I literally was in therapy for a while. I was on depression meds because I just didn't know who I was. I was. I'm like, this is who I thought I wanted to be. I wanted to be his wife. I wanted to be the mother of his children. This is who I am. So I didn't have a separation between my role as wife and my identity as Mania. That's good. It was all the same. And without him, who am I? Without him being my husband, what is my life? And these other women had the pleasure of having pieces of him that he wasn't willing to give to me. So what's wrong with me? You internalized. I internalized it all. And um, the woman that he fell in love with, I was like a detective. I found out where she lived, found out that she was married, found out where she worked, how much money she made. Don't ask me how. I've got my ways, okay? <laughs> um, and I drove to her place of work with my babies in my car. And I did some crazy, like, you ever seen the show Snapped? Yes. Me. Oh, so I'm standing outside of her place of work, just staring at her through the window. Like, I will murder you. You took my husband. These are my thoughts, like figuring out how can I cause harm to her? I wonder if her husband knows that she's sleeping with my husband. Oh, let me find out who she's married to. I spent hours. Someone should have been paying me for the hours I spent. <laughs> Being the, uh, what? The, the show Cheaters. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, you already did all the yeah, work. I did all the work. I need to hire anyone. And so it's amazing, though, even though I felt far away from God and far away from my calling as a wife, um, the Holy Spirit is still such a gift. And the day that I pulled up to her house, yes, I did, with laminated pictures and screenshots of pictures she sent to my husband and 
how she loves him and she's going to leave her husband. I was had a clothesline. I was going to hang them in her lawn so her husband could see. Oh, it was oh wow. It was crazy, crazy. <laughs> With my kids in the car asleep, eating some snacks when they wake up. Don't worry. Mommy gonna take care of y'all, but I take care of this first. Um, I get out of my car with my manila envelope, with my little clothesline, and I went to hang the first picture. And Holy Spirit said, if you do this, he will die. Mm. What, God? And so I paused. I listened. I got back in my car. Next day, I got a notification from someone on Facebook. Um, her husband worked for the DEA, and he knew and he had plans to murder my children's father. Oh. But his schedule got changed mm. that he could not do what he had planned to do. Oh, wow. And she wanted me to know that he saw me in the yard that day. And so, yeah, I um, listened to the Holy Spirit, and I did not do that. And my children have their father. Wow. MJ, you are leaving us with cliffhangers here. (laughs) Journey to divorce. And journey to knowing myself. And journey to knowing yourself and the life after. We didn't get to that part yet, but (laughs) I thank you for sharing your story with us and really opening your heart. And I hope that listeners uh, who tune in will glean something from your journey and hopefully dodge the red flags that you were like, nope, I'm still going forth. So. Thank you all for tuning in to another episode of Behind the Confidence Mouth, the podcast. And keep breathing.